0: Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. service that I should feel like I should be in some polyester pantsuit after that kind of introduction like to do the news like like a Hillary Clinton special outfit you know kind of a thing um, to deliver the message this morning but it's just me in a t-shirt and jeans so that's all you got hey question I'm trying to see if you know don't you hate it when someone might call you out at church and you're not there isn't that the worst feeling would that be the worst feeling I'm looking for the Warrens and the Childers, but I don't know if I can see. Do I see a Warren or a Childers? Well, hey. Well, Avery and Elizabeth, you want to come up here real quick? Oh, man. Well, it's okay, you not do. It. We'll do it at the end of service. Yeah. Okay, so you'll find out more about it at the end of the service. So anyway, hey, so we're in week two of our series called Decision 2016. And when you think about this, you think, oh, there's an election coming up. This is all you're talking about. You turn on the news and you'll hear about Decisions 2016. But we're talking about for the next six weeks, we started last week, that there are decisions that are bigger, that are more important than who you're going to vote for. There are decisions that are the most important. You make decisions... About 35,000 a day you make decisions, about 35,000 a day, and most of them are incredibly inconsequential. Whether you go left or right doesn't matter. What you choose off the menu doesn't matter. Those kinds of things. But then there are bigger decisions that you make. Decisions about where you go to school and what career path you choose and and who you marry and and where you move and all these kinds of things. You know, how many kids, if we have kids. I mean, big, big decisions that have longer lasting impact. And then there are some decisions that we believe, and we're looking at them for the next six weeks, that are the most important decisions you will ever, ever make in your life. And last week we started with the one that it, it all springs out of, and that's the decision to follow. It's the decision to follow Jesus. It is the most important decision you will ever make. And today we're going to look at the, the next decision from that, and that is a decision for a new life. Because you can choose to follow Jesus, but you also need to make a decision to have a new life. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I want us to start in John chapter 3. It's our main passage, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And I mention this a lot. I probably said every week we look at a passage, and it's this. If you know this story, you see that name right there. You're looking and going, oh, Nicodemus, I know this story. I got it. I know where we're going. I already know where she's going, so I can you know, I can think about what's in the crock pot at home and if it's ready or not. So you just kind of zone out a little bit. Here's what I'm going to ask. If you know this story, if you know Nicodemus, if you know what Jesus is about to say to him in a second when we look at it, I'm just going to ask you to just would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to maybe show you something new today or to reteach you something that you learned a long time ago and maybe you've kind of forgotten? Because we can do that, right? We do it all the time. We think we know how someone's gonna, where they're going with a conversation. We think we know what they're about to say. Spouses never do this with each other. They, yeah, They never go, I know where you're about to go with this, and just kind of check out. No, this is what we need to do. Listen. See if God wants to show you something new. All right, here we go. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This, remember, we're talking about a decision for a new life. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. So this guy was, he knew it all. He knew it. He knew the law. He knew everything. He, he was a well-respected leader. Not, and in and, and these times, if you were a Pharisee, you were a well-respected leader, not just in your religious community, but in the community as a whole. So this is Nicodemus, verse 2. After dark one evening, important to note, he went when no one knew he was going. Uh, if he had a black hoodie, he would have put it on and zipped it up and covered his face. And his idea, He didn't want anyone to know he was going to see Jesus. He goes, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. And he says, Rabbi. He calls him Rabbi. He gives Jesus an a, a, a incredible compliment by calling him Rabbi. He's saying, you are a teacher. This is what Nicodemus says to him. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident, evidence that God is with you. So he's saying, Listen, God is, you are from God because the stuff you're doing is amazing. There's absolutely no doubt whatsoever God has sent you. So again, he's, he's kind of complimenting Jesus and saying, Wow, you're pretty cool. You're pretty amazing. You're pretty wonderful. Jesus replied in verse 3. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I am pretty awesome. That's not what he said. He says this. I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now I mean think about this for a minute, because Nicodemus knows the law he knows the he knows everything that had been written about God he understood uh messianic teaching and 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 that jesus that that a messiah was going to come he understood all of this stuff, and he's telling Jesus how amazing he is, and then Jesus kind of just kind of waged through all that you know I don't think Nicodemus was buttering him up or anything like that, but Jesus kinda kind of got through it all and it's like Okay, you can tell me how awesome I am and, and what you think about me. But Jesus cuts to the core and he goes, Listen, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Almost like he's saying, you can know all the law, Nicodemus. You can have the standing in the community. You can, you can look the part. You can have a lot of head knowledge. But unless you're born again, he just gets right to the center of it. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And this is how Nic- Nicodemus responds in verse 4. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? See, up to this point, all Nicodemus knew was that a Messiah was coming. They knew that there was a promise of hope, but they had no idea what that was going to look like. And so the only uh, new life, the only rebirth, the only anything that could be born, talking about a man, was, was what he knew as childbirth. What we know in the physical sense is childbirth. And Nicodemus is like, I ain't doing that again. And so he's like, "No, that's not going to happen." And Jesus replied in verse five, "I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. I mean, think about that. You must be born again." Nicodemus went to Jesus because he was impressed by him. No ordinary man could have performed the stuff that he saw Jesus doing. He must be from God. But listen, simply being impressed by God, simply being wowed by all the miracles, I mean, think about it, like, You can do that from that many fishes and that many loaves. What? That guy was dead and he came to life. Well, that guy had leprosy and now his skin is clear. That guy was blind and now he can see. I mean, a lot of miracles, but simply being impressed by that, simply being wowed by that is not enough. Simply being like, that does not lead to a new life. And that's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. It's great that you recognize the miracles. It's great that you recognize I am from God. But that alone does not lead to new life. You must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus tells them no one can enter the kingdom unless they're born again. And, of course, there's Nicodemus. He's thinking, oh, this is physical birth. I don't get this. But let think about this. Think, talking about physical birth. And of course, you can't think back to when you were a newborn or when you're an infant, but you've been around infants. You know this. You've probably been told this. But listen for a, a newborn baby, for an infant that, that can't walk yet, can't feed themselves yet, can't do anything for themselves yet, their only concern, their only concern is themselves. They are the center of their universe. And they have just a few concerns to be fed. Um, to be you know, warm, to be comfortable. You know, if it's hot, they want to not be hot. If it's cold, they want to be warmer. You know? So to be fed for comfort and to be able to, to rest when they want to rest. I and mean, that's the concerns of, a, of, a, of an infant. They are the center of the universe. And so as long as they're fed and as long as they're comfortable and long as, they're, as long as they're able to get rest, the world could be crumbling around them. But if they've got those things, then they're like, okay, I'm good. Right? As a parent, you could be having the worst day. You know, The, the car breaks down. The bills aren't paid. You know, the worst things could be happening. And yet, you've got an infant. And if they're fed and comfortable and getting the rest they need, they don't know. Because they, they're the center of their universe. And that's how it should be. They're growing and they need to be cared for and all that. But here's the deal about that. Think about this for a minute. In regard to a lot of people, vast majority of people... Many, 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 most maybe Christians even. There are so many people who are still at the place where this is their, still their mindset. Their mindset set is still that of as long as I get my food and as long as I'm comfortable and as long as I'm able to rest, then I'm good. And it's an infant, it's a, it's a spiritually immature mindset There are so many people who are saying, this is all that's important to me. I don't know what else is going on in the world, but I've I've got, I've got food in my belly and I'm comfortable and I'm ready to lay my head down on a pillow and there it is. And that's okay. And, and too many people, this is the mindset. And with spiritual rebirth, there's something different needed. From, from the moment you're reborn, here's what happens. From the moment you're reborn, suddenly it's not just about you. Suddenly it's not just about what do I need and what makes me happy and what makes me feel content and what, what do I want. If you have been spiritually reborn, suddenly you're not the center of your universe anymore. God is the center of your universe. God is at the center of your universe. And suddenly you start to see people the way you didn't see them before. You used to look at some people and you're like, I would prefer to punch them in the face. And then, but, the, but see, if you've been spiritually reborn, you might go, man, I really need to pray for that person. Okay, that doesn't mean that sometimes you still don't want to punch some people in the face. But if the Spirit of God is working within you, you hope that that, that refrain happens. And you're able to go, hold on now, that, that was my flesh responding. The Spirit of God wants me to do something differently. Spiritually mature people have God at the center of the universe. So whether you chose to follow Jesus, whether you made that decision to follow Jesus, if it was 30 years ago today, uh, 30 years ago from today, or whether it was three uh, days ago, it doesn't really matter the length of time, you may have made a decision to follow Jesus. But we all need to make sure that that old life, that way we think, that way we act, that way we respond, all of that we need to give over to God. We need to quit being at the center of our universe and allow God to be at the center of our universe. Now, here's the thing about um, spiritual immaturity. Uh, Spiritual immature people will live for themselves where a spiritually mature person will say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to let him be the center. I'm going to let him be the one. And you think about that, what's more important to you? I mean, the reality is, is we all have work to do. We, we all are, you hear me say this thought, we're all on this journey of faith. I, I don't think any of us have arrived. We're all on the journey. We all have work to do. There are areas of our life where, you know, like a newborn baby, maybe we still are at the center of our universe. Or we need God to move into that position. I mean, I will I'll confess to you, there are areas of my life where I'm like, yes, God is it. He is at the center. He is making those choices. The decisions I'm making and the thoughts that I have are because God is at the center of my universe. But there are other aspects of my life, and God's more like the assistant coach. You know, And he might say something in my ear, but I might go, hey, well, I think I might do something different. I mean, we all have work to do. There are things that we need to do. And one of our primary understandings of God is this, and this is definitely Wesleyan teaching. You'll hear this in the United Methodist Church for sure. We believe without a doubt that God has given us all free will. God has given us all free will. We all have the free will to choose. We all have the free will to make a decision. We make the decision to follow him. God didn't set everything in motion and turn us all into mindless robots, and we're we're just obeying everything he's done. He's given us free will. We have the opportunity to make a decision to choose him. To make a decision to be born again. We have that on us. And and so the decisions we make, they're ours. And sometimes we really like that. But see, it's also true that the, the burden of that responsibility is on us as well. We have to make these decisions. And so many things in life, so many things in our life just distill down to this a decision to a choice. There are things going on in your life right now. One of the things I find a lot in, in talking to people who are going through a crisis is if you can get that person to actually backtrack and, and be able to identify when they made a decision that set it all in motion and maybe have that decision cause another decision and another decision. And you see this all the time. You know, Sometimes it's harder to see it about yourself, but you've seen it in other people's lives when you're like, man, if they had just not made that decision their life would look differently. It's all, We have the free will to make these choices. You know, last week when we talked about the decision to follow, you know, Jesus is walking along... And and, and and two people decide to follow him. They made the decision to follow him. They spent the day with him. They hung out with him. They were like, we want to keep following you. Then they went and they got Peter and brought him back. And he said, yeah, I want to follow too. They all made the decision to follow. And and that's true for a lot of us in here today. At some point in our life, we said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. But we've got to be reborn. Otherwise, we are just immature Completely self focused, self centered people who are following behind Jesus, and yet nothing has really changed about our life. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, You can have knowledge, you can have experience, but you've got to be born again. You've got to allow me to be at the center of your universe. So, Who is at the center of your universe? I mean, as I was working on this message, that's what I was thinking about. Is Well, how do I know? I mean, like I said, there's some area of my life where I feel like I've allowed God to be the center and others I'm still working on. So I want to ask you three questions today. I think that will help you see who is at the center of your universe. If it's you, if it's God, if it's a mixture of both, if it's a daily battle, I don't know. But who is at the center of your universe? Here are some questions you can ask yourself. And it's this, how do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? The way in which you spend your time will determine who is at the center of your universe. How do you share your God-given talents? And I I, I made a point of not just writing talents in there. I wanted to put God-given talents because I will tell you, anything that you're good at right now, Anything that someone has said, wow, you're an amazing athlete, amazing musician, vocalist. Wow, your intellect is out of this world. Well, the abilities you have, wow, that's amazing. Anytime someone has said that to you, I want you to know something. Whether you believe in God or not, those are God-given talents. And you go... You might say, well, actually, it's kind of genetic. I got it from my dad. Well, God gave that to your dad, and your dad gave it to you. Okay, It's God-given. Anything you've got that is good, anything you've got that is able to to help other people, to encourage other people, to inspire other people, anything that is able to help other people, it is a God-given talent. What do you do with those God-given talents? Are you keeping them to yourself? And the third is this. How do you spend your money? What are you doing with your resources? Is it all about you? Is there a, it, are you so focused in your universe, it's all about you, that every, every resource you have is about you? I mean, it can go back to the infant thing. Is, it, is every resource you have going towards your, what's in your belly and what makes you comfortable and how you're able to spend your rest time? So these are questions that, that help. So let's go a little bit deeper. Uh, let's look again at how you fill your time. There's a very well-known story <clears throat> about two sisters named Mary and Martha. And they really like Jesus Jesus brought their brother back from the dead, you would like Jesus too a whole lot if he had done that for you, right? So Mary and Martha are super excited because Jesus is coming over to their house. And and Jesus doesn't go alone. He's always got like an entourage with him. So it's going to be people. There's going to be people coming to their house. And, and Jesus gets there. And the first thing that Mary does, and, and there's people coming, and it's going to be kind of crazy. And Mary just decides to sit down at the feet of Jesus and just sit there and listen to whatever he says and whoever He's talking to and whatever he's teaching, whatever he's, she just wanted to sit there at his feet. She wanted to be in his presence. She wanted to, you know, be in a a place of worship. You know, she just wanted to honor him and be there with him. And the whole time Martha's running around and she's, you know, she ran to Sam's and she's making appetizers. She's got the egg rolls in the oven. She's, she's running, she's wiping down counters. She's picking up stuff. She's, you know, she's taking care of everybody. Right, And she's running around doing all this stuff, and she's getting upset. And so she says something to Jesus, and she's like, hello. Uh, This is the Shannon version of this passage. And she's like, hello, Jesus, could you say something to Mary, please? And this is how Jesus responds to her in Luke chapter 10, verse 41. And he looks at her, and he says, my dear Martha. So he's not like, hey, you're such a loser for doing stuff and being responsible. No, he, he said, my dear Martha. He loves Martha, right? My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. And let me tell you, when you're a person that is uh, worried and upset about details, you hate it when someone says, you're worried and upset about details. Because those are the people that never care about details. And it really gets on your nerves. Because if the details weren't taken care of, then nothing would ever happen. But she doesn't say that back to Jesus. But Jesus says, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus isn't saying what you're doing isn't important. He's not saying what you're doing isn't helpful. He's not saying what you're doing isn't, you know, why did you even bother to break out the egg rolls and the taquitos? He's not saying that to her. He's saying there's one thing that's the most important, and Mary knows it, and she's sitting at my feet, and she's being in my presence. She wants to be in my presence, and I'm not going to take that away from her, and you shouldn't want to take that away from her either. Listen, about your time, here's what I want you to think about. We're busy people. I mean, we are busy people. As Mallory's getting older and getting more involved, I'm finding out, and I just have one kid, and I'm finding out what it looks like to, with the schedule that a lot of y'all with multiple children have to deal with. I mean, life is busy, and that just, that's just kids' schedule. I didn't even talk about yours. I mean, life is busy, and and we, a lot of us, were saying, "I want to do good things. I want to do things that count. I want to do things that matter." And so, when someone asks us to be on the board, we say yes. And when they ask us to to be in the in the league, we say yes. And to help with the with the five k, we're like sure. And we want to do things because we want to, right? We have a heart. We're saying, "I'd love to do that." But there's one thing that Jesus said is more important, and that's to sit at His feet. I know some people that they are like my family. I'm about my family. I'll do whatever for my family. I'll rearrange the world schedule for my family because I love my family. And that's great. But if all of your time is spent on your family, is there any time to just stop like Mary did and sit at the feet of Jesus? See, we can fill our lives with a lot of good things. Remember, Jesus didn't tell Martha she was doing something bad. He just told her that Mary found something better. See, there's a lot of good things you can do, but then there's some God things. And Martha was doing the good things and Mary's doing the God thing. And so how you're spending your time is really important. If, if your life is taken over and there's no space for you to just sit the feet of Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It might be, you know, when you're driving somewhere and you, you decide to, you know, you're listening to, to music and you're singing at the top of your lungs. Or, or you're, you're listening to something someone's written. Or maybe it's just quiet and solitude. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But we, we need to make sure that there's time for him. And it will tell you who's at the center of your universe. And if, and if, if we don't have time for God, then how in the world can we say he's at the center how can we say that we, have, that, that we are spiritually mature people if we've got no time for them? So that's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Here's another one we need to look at besides our, our time, and that is those talents I mentioned. Are you only using what you have for, that, for, for yourself? You know, Maybe you've got that great intellect and, and, and you've been able to achieve a lot of things. You know? Is that just an 8 to 5 thing? You know, are there, t- are there talents that you have? Are there abilities that you have? Do you have a, for some reason you walk in the room and people are drawn to you? Do you just save that for your, your, your marketing? You know, do you save that for your pharmaceutical rep deal? You know, like, is that, is that it? Or are you going to let God use that? Like, are are you saying, all right, I'm going to do that. And that's, I'm done. There's talents that we have and, and abilities that you've got. And, and maybe you just like, you have a way with kids, like, n- like, you're just the Pied Piper, and you show up, and kids love you, and they want to be around you, but you're like, you know what? I, I can't. I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy. I can't offer it. I mean, we have talents, and there are things that we can do, and if we just use them for our personal gain, I don't know if we're really being spiritually mature people. I, I think that we might be putting ourselves at the center of our universe and saying, no, this is going to be just about me maybe this is a better question to ask. Are you in a place where you're able to use your personal talents in a way that's pleasing to God? You know, and maybe that doesn't look like any kind of official thing. Like, well, I'm on this team at church or I'm on this and I do this at church or the, the people in leadership ask me to do this. No, are you with your talents, with the abilities that you have, are you using them in a way that's pleasing to God? Is there something that you could be doing that you're not doing? Your personal talents. Here's a question I would ask, and I mentioned this at the early service. I think any good pastor would ask this question. How would the ministries of our church improve if you shared your talents with the ministries of the church? Are there some talents and abilities that you have and you're not able or you haven't thought about or you haven't chosen to share those talents with the church how much different would our church look like if you were able to offer those things? What would we be doing that we're not able to do right now? Because we don't, have, we don't think we have the people. We don't know. What's, what's available to us? So our time and our talent. Here's a third way to see who's at the center of your universe. And it's this one. Your financial resources. The, the, the stuff that is available to you. Jesus talked about money more than any other topic, which is really weird to me. But I think the reason Jesus did it, he talked about it more than love. He talked about it more than forgiveness. And I think the reason he did it is because he knew that that showed the heart of us. That he knew that that's what was going to drive us. It would motivate us. It, it, it would change our outlook on things. He knew it, and so he talked about it. Um, nothing exposes our priorities more than, I think, money. And, and here's a question to see who is at the center of your universe. And again... Um, I don't think my friend Lisa's here today. Lisa Aguera always tells me after a service, she's like, well, you stepped all over my toes today. And then she smiles and gives me a hug. Well, this is the kind of question I'm about to say, and maybe you feel like that sometimes. Go ahead and roll your toes up. Your toes up. Just go ahead and curl them up if you're able, because what I'm about to ask, it's, it's one of those ones that kind of, my toes hurt from writing the question. So they're going to hurt from you hearing the question. Okay. The thing about this, in regard to financial resources, I think most of us in here understand the principle of the tithe, right? You know, the the 10%, the the supporting the ministry of the church, the giving back to God, the the recognition that what you have isn't really yours, right? Those talents that allowed you to earn that, those came from God. So I think most of us in here, there's this principle that we say we we want to give back to God. And, And in regard to the church, that's a place that we are able to do that, right? We want to support the ministries. We want to be the body of Christ together. So here's the question. If everyone gave as much as you do, if everyone gave the same percentage that you do of your, of your resources, would the ministries of the church be able to grow or would they sharply decline? Ouch. Would the ministries of the church be blessed by your financial resources or would... They'd have to shut down. I mean, would, would someone from the, the finance committee have to call Justin and Emily on tomorrow and be like, "Hey, really sorry, but we got it. We can't do our student ministry anymore because it's just no no one's given to it. I'm sorry, and and not only that, but you don't have a job either. So, I mean, wouldn't that be horrible? Like to tell the people who are who are ministering to our kids right now in children's church. Like to say, you know, it's, I'm sorry, but we can't. You know, what, what about our missions? I mean, by the way, shout out for our missions committee. Nina, are you excited I'm about to say this? We have an am- amazing missions team, and we would love to have some people get on board with that. So talk to me or Nina after the service, because we are planning some stuff and looking at some stuff and dreaming about some stuff, and we need some ideas and brains and, and passion. So that was just a little side advertisement for the mission team. But w- what if we were just having to, like, shut things down? So, I mean, think about that for a minute. We're talking about who's at the center of your universe. And you know what? Maybe you've been able to go, yeah, my talents, I, I, I offer them. I'm, I'm there. I give what I can. I'm able. You know, my time, I'm making time. I'm serving God. You know, I, I'm, I'm making sure that that's happening. But... You know, this is the one. And Jesus talked about this a lot because he knew it revealed so much about us. Our time, our talent, our money. And it's all about our decisions. See, these are we have a decision about what we're going to do. And are we going to be like that, that newborn baby that's just going, you know what, just, just put food in my belly and make sure that I'm comfortable and let me you know, get some rest when I need it. Is that kind of where we are? Is that where we still are? Have we grown from that? Are, are we that spiritually immature? Or are we people that are saying, you know, I, I, am, I want to be born again. I want my thought process to change. I want the way I react. I want the way I speak. I want the way I listen. I want the way that I love. I want my... Like, everything about me. Like, when I see someone, instead of uh, going, ugh, or that's going to be messy, or that's going to take too much of me. Instead, have a heart of saying, how can I, how can I be the presence of Christ for them? Like, are we going to be reborn in such a way that it's evident that God is at the center of our universe? Or are we just going to be like the little baby? And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said, look, you know it, Man. You know the stuff. You know the law. You know the rule. You know the teaching about a coming Messiah. You know it. But you've got to be born again. It's got to happen. And when that starts to happen, you will start to see the evidence in your life. And listen, I'll say it again. We all have work to do. We all have work to do. And that time and that talent and that money reveals who is at the center of our universe. Jesus said we must be born again. And that decision rests on you. Would you pray with me? Lord, this, oh, this message hurt. It hurt to prepare and I know it hurts to hear sometimes. It's, but it's the kind of stuff that we need. This is the stuff that spiritually mature people can handle hearing. It's that when we are in a place of immaturity that we, we feel defensive. We feel like we might want to push back. We might not even like what we're hearing, so we kind of tune it out. But God, we need this. We need this information. We need this understanding. We need the reminder in our lives. God, because we are called to something so much bigger than showing up to church for an hour. We're called to something so much bigger than, than, than praying with our kids for point five seconds before they go to bed we are called to something so much bigger in the spiritual realm Lord you call us to something greater and and my prayer for myself the prayer for this for this church is that we would be people who would say I want you God to be at the center of it all and I want you to start to do the work in our in our lives God I want to allow you to show me the work that I need to do the things that I need to change, the things that I need to start doing differently, the, the things that maybe I need to stop doing, God, in order to allow you to be at the center of my universe. You deserve that place. We know it. But the reality of it happening is, is where it, the work happens. Father, I just pray today that our... Our hearts and our minds and our spirits would be sensitive to you. We would let you show us the places that we have, we have put you in that assistant coach position. We say, yes, I'm following Jesus. Yes, he is, the, he is my Lord and Savior. Yes, yes, yes. But we haven't really allowed you to be the center of it all. We must be born again. And I just pray that you're moving that in the hearts of your people right now. That there is a desire happening right now that you're stirring up right now within us, that in all of us, that our current condition is not enough. Our current state is not the end game. That we desire you more, that we seek you more, that we depend on you more. That not only do we follow you, but then we let you change us, rebirth, so that the person following you looks different than the one from yesterday. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.